week brings me to this message, um, what we're going to be focusing on is focus. Focus. Because if we have so much chaos in our walks and we remove everything, so we make room for Jesus, if we haven't got focus behind it, we're just going to fill it with more stuff, right? How many of you have said that I just want more hours in the week or if I only had more time? If you only had more time, if you had more time, you would fill it with more stuff. And so Jesus in his kindness and mercy says, you know, we're going to draw a line 24 hours in a day, seven days a week with rest that's meant to be implemented within that. And so if we're not focusing our attentions, the world will focus it for us. And I love this quote from Dallas Willard. Dallas Willard is this theologian which has really sparked interest. He passed away um, in recent years, but within um, younger generations, his thoughts are really powerful. And I just want to read this to you. The first and most basic thing we can do and must do is to keep God before our minds. This is the fundamental secret of caring for our souls. It's not going to be a quick fix guide. It's not seven ways to getting your life healthy. The answer and the answer to the world's problems of over-medication, of drug and alcohol abuse is dwelling with God. This fundamental secret, and I'm ashamed that it is a secret, of caring for our souls, our part in thus, in practicing the presence of God, is to direct and redirect our minds constantly to Him. In the early time of our practicing, we may well be challenged by our burdensome habits of dwelling on things less than God. My phone, as an example. But these habits are not the law of gravity, and can be broken. A new grace-filled habit will replace the former ones as we take intentional steps towards keeping God before us. Soon our minds will return to God as a needle of a compass constantly returns to the north. If God is our great longing of our souls, he will become the pole star of our inward beings. And in that he's saying, okay, we have busy lives, but if we continually refocus, 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 it will become a habit. So when we're working through our days and things get stressful and I'm like, oh God, I haven't given you time today to think about you. It's okay. Just refocus, refocus, keep refocusing him until he becomes the longing of your soul. Because how many of you have experienced God? Because the reason why you're in this room today, you've had a touch from God. You've experienced something that is real, that is life-changing. That longing in your soul as you begin to spend more and more time. I don't know how many of you go to the gym I've started going to the gym, and um, we recently had our third, um, Eliana, and I went off the gym for a couple of weeks, and I missed it. And when I got back into it, John will have testified to this, it was hard. It was really hard. As I was doing a couple of miles running, it hurt really bad, even though I'd missed just two weeks. But I felt so much better for it as I got back into the rhythm. At first, there was pain. But then as I begin to position myself in that rhythm of constantly positioning myself, working, exercising my body, your spirit is like a muscle. You need to exercise. You need to position yourself. So as we wrap our heads around the 21st century of trying to focus our attention, and so focus is a point of concentration, as many of we know. Focus matters in your journey. We are what we focus on. You are what you eat and you are what you focus on. We move to what we focus on. 
if you're focusing on something, so I don't know if you've ever had someone say, I don't want to be like that person. You know, maybe it's a relative or maybe it's a friend or someone you see. I don't want to be like that person. But the problem is we end up being like that person because our focus is constantly on that person. And so we have this problem of not wanting to be it, but we focus because we think that if we focus on it, we won't be like it. But you're putting it in the forefront of your mind all the time. The better living is to move yourself to God, to never lose sight of the goal. See, Jesus was the perfect person for exampling focus. So in Luke 4, we have this moment where he's been baptized, he's been ordained into the ministry. God has come and said, this is my son who I'm well pleased with. He went to the desert for 40 days. He overcame the devil. And in that moment, he came back to his hometown He came back to a place where everyone had boxed him in. Isn't that just Jesus of Nazareth? Isn't he a carpenter's son? Who is this guy? Who does he think he is? And so they rejected him. They kicked him out of the town. And I love that passage where Jesus, when the crowd's pushing him to the edge, he managed to walk through the crowd. Isn't that strange when you read that? And the crowd got violent and and began to move towards him and Jesus disappeared. He has this ability of doing that, and I always find that part really funny. But he didn't let it sway him. See, a lot of times in our hometowns or in our comfortable places, we sometimes focus on those things, and we can let them shape us, our hometowns, our comforts. And when they start to reject us, we lose focus and sight. But Jesus, it didn't matter. He knew what he was about. He didn't let the focus of others change his focus, amen? That he was so stuck on what he knew. The father had told him who he was and told him who he was to be. And that was his unrelenting passion. In fact, we see it in Luke 9. As we're going down, as he's approaching the time of the cross, it says in Luke 9, 51 and 53, it says, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. That term resolutely in the King James, it says he steadfast his face. In other translations, it says he set his face like flint. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Sumerian village to get things ready for him. But the people did not welcome him because he was heading to Jerusalem. They had seen his appearance. They had seen his focus. And they had put him to one side. How many of you, when you go shopping, you have these people at the mall or um, you know, in shops who are wanting to sign you up for, for something? Have you experienced that? So with me, I'm a, I'm a kind of a, a a focused shopper, what I do is I set myself, my face like flint, and I just push through. I almost ignore them. My wife is very different. She says, I feel bad for them. I want to go speak to them. I'm like, you don't need to. We're just going to be stuck in a conversation. In fact, when we went to New York for the first time a couple of years back, we went along and this person was selling some watches, you know, the game that they play. I'm like... I set myself like Flint, I'm I'm walking past and I'm just ignoring because I'm focused past. But my wife goes, oh, but I just, you know, I feel bad for them. I should at least hear them. I said, you're not going to buy anything. What are you doing? I mean, it's legal. And she goes, but I just feel bad. Her focus gets switched all the time. But I don't know if there are any other male shoppers in the room. I like to go and get what I need. I know what I need. I don't need anyone to help me. Although when you do need someone to help you, they're never around. 
But most of the time, I'm just going in saying, hey, how's it going? Can I help you with anything? I'm fine. Get this, please, can I buy this? Thank you, goodbye. That's a focused shopper. That's the kind of shopping that I like to do. I like to know what I'm going to come and get. But how many of you know that when we've just seen so much stuff, that our focus... I know that there's this thing that women like to do. They actually enjoy shopping just to go around shops with no purpose. There couldn't be more of a frustration in my world than that. Actually, when my wife has a focus to get something, she never gets it. How many women have experienced that? They want to get something and never find it. But when they're just going on, just a muse of the shops, they find what they need. I never understand that. But our focus can be skewed. I just want to show you some fun shapes. I'm sure many of you have seen these kind of things if you just put up the next slide. This challenge is very interesting. Which circle is bigger? Same size. We know the test. The same size, but their perception looks different because of what is surrounding them. Go to the next slide. Which figure is larger? All the same. But isn't it weird that when we look at this, because of the things that are surrounding it, our perception is changed. And the last slide, please. Now, are those lines straight or not straight? Who's going to answer? Are they straight or not straight? Straight. Every single one of them. As you begin to look at each individual line, they become straight. Because again, what is surrounding your focus is affecting your focus. But as you begin to focus in on the one line, each line becomes straight. Thank you very much. Next slide, please. So I believe that one of the points today is God wants to refocus us. Our perception, our focus matters. We, I can tell you that if you, your viewpoint of God is going to shape your whole world. If you see God as a distant God, someone that just makes law, just makes rules all the time, you're going to experience that in your lifestyle. But if you understand that God is a good God who loves you, has the best for you, has things that are unimaginable, Think of what that does to you as a person, how much transformed inside of you you are. You are how you see God. And so God is wanting to refocus. In being with Jesus, we want to refocus ourselves. You cannot take on a new blessing if your focus is not refocused. You cannot have a new blessing when you have old order in your life. We talk about old and new wineskins. We talk about the things of old and we can't put new blessings because they're so much bigger than the last things. And so God is saying, hey, I've got new things for you in this place. I've got new things in your walk, but I need you to refocus. I need you to transform the things that are surrounding your focus, that are skewing your perception of who I am and how good I am to you. And I want to renew that with renewed focus. I want to expand your focus of how you see me move in and through your life. See, Jesus made room for focus. Anytime he had a healing or something amazing happened, he would go to a quiet place. Do you find that interesting? Often we go in our quiet places when things are getting rough. Hey, I just need to be alone because I'm stressed out. Or, hey, things are just going on in my world. I just need to get alone right now. 
But Jesus, even after the greatest miracles of the feeding of the 5,000, healing after healing, he would, in the Bible it said, he would go to a quiet place. Even before the transfiguration on the hill, on the mountain, he went to the quiet place. And obviously the greatest of all was before the cross. Before the challenge, he focused himself upon the goal. To think that you don't need to refocus yourself every single day is a lie from the enemy because it will easily transform and twist your focus. And so like Jesus, we want to be able to get into the quiet spaces, get into that place where we can begin to refocus ourselves. See, Jesus didn't focus on the current situation, but he always saw the end goal. And this world that we're living in is very torn right now. We have political, you know, we had this last year, we had what, the, the, um, the white supremacy rally where we saw someone get run over. We've had all these different riots that come across. We've had countless mass shootings, which has rivaled then this whole gun control conversation. And we're just seeing all this fake news, this where do I get my true source from? And we're more torn than ever in America. In fact, 71% of people say America is worse off. But there's a study done by Johann Nuremberg, and he has a completely different message to what is occurring in this world. He measured by 10 factors, the whole world, food, sanitation, life expectancy, poverty, violence, the environment, literacy, kingdom, freedom, and equality. And every single one of these, every single one of these was outperforming than ever before. We are at the best point of living than we have ever been before across the whole world. We have halved the poverty deficit. The standard of living, even for a person in a third world country, is better than what it was in America 100 years ago. There is a standard of living that is beyond what we've even comprehended and we are transforming and it's continuing to rise. But we don't talk about that story. We don't talk about how good things are getting, right? The main news drive is we're going to take the three or four worst things that are happening and we're going to put it in your face every single day. But like the stories that Norma told us, things are happening. Conversions, God is moving outside of our sphere. There are things at work and we need to refocus ourselves on what God is saying and not what the media is telling us because it has an agenda. It has an agenda for you to have your focus skewed that the world is getting worse, that we're just going to be doomed. There is no hope and that is not the gospel. I want to tell you today that you have hope, that there is a tomorrow and it's a good tomorrow, that his kingdom is growing. That his kingdom is transforming cultures. So don't get yourself stuck in this whole idea of the world is getting worse. But I understand that we do have an issue in this moment. In fact, since the 1960s, happiness has actually been decline in this country. Mental illness has been described as an epidemic. The number one selling prescription drug is an antipsychotic, and it made over $7 billion in 2015. I don't even begin to know what kind of figures there'll be now. But $7 billion just on a prescription drug. See, our focus in our Western society, in America, is to maximize pleasure, minimize pain. 
Maximize pleasure, minimize pain. That is our focus. What can give me the quickest relief? What can bring about that quick instant hit? Everything. I love it, as I keep saying in America. I've got drive-through banks. I've got drive-through everything. In England, they think it's the funniest thing ever. We have to walk everywhere to get our things. Bank, pharmacies. We drive to a gym to work out. Instant gratification is constantly occurring within this, 24-7 everything, because we have this desire, I want it now. Credit card debt, all-time high, trillions and trillions in debt because we want things now. We're sold this idea, have it now. Maximize your pleasure, minimize your pain. That is our focus, and it's taken away from the story of Jesus It's taken away because we're filled with more of these things, these more wants and desires. And so as we're pulling in on these desires over and over again, we're filling our lives with stuff and we have to maintain that stuff. And that's why I believe that we're in this epidemic because we need Jesus again. We want the kingdom without the king. We want the good lifestyles. We want the principles, but we don't want Jesus. We don't want him. And that story has been told throughout the whole of the Bible. Always, we're trying to remove the king, but we just want the blessings. And I love this. In Colossians and in Philippians, Paul in jail writes these letters to these two churches in Colossians. Uh, Colossia was a place that he didn't start. In fact, it was start by someone else. But they were having a problem with culture. They had two cultures that were occurring. They had the religious law and they had the mystic culture. Now, in that culture of the time, Jesus was just another God. He was just another thing that was occurring. They had plenty of different gods because, again, the story isn't new. We're just looking to maximize our pleasure. So if I can appease whichever God I need to appease to make my life better, I'll do it. I'll sacrifice whatever I have to to make the gods of whatever pleasurable in my life. And so Paul is uh, writing this letter to the Colossians who are struggling. They're, They're great people. They're doing great things, but they're struggling with this tension of culture reshaping their focus and the story of Jesus, which is pulling. And so we always have this tension in our minds. And so Paul writes this in Colossians 268, 628, therefore, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him, established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to the human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of this world and not according to Jesus Christ. In the famous passage that we know in Colossians 3, 2, it says, set your minds on things above and not on things are on earth. He also writes a letter to the Philippians who have the similar struggle within their culture. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. So how do we refocus? And I believe there's these four points that I quickly want to go through that are pulled in this scripture. And the first point is get rooted in him. You notice, therefore, if you receive Jesus Christ the Lord, so walk in him, be rooted in him. Position yourself, like Dallas Willard says, position yourself that you're just constantly refocusing, refocusing to who he is. And the second point, set your mind on him. 
You notice there's two things in there. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is right, think upon these things. Think upon it. Think upon it. And the media is going to keep on wanting to try and change your focus that we're at war, that there are things beyond your hope. But God wants to say a different message. Set your mind on him. Third, be built up in him. Move and grow in him. I love the uh, John 15 passage that we abide, that we remain in the vine. We are the branches. You are all the branches. Remain in him. But that word remain doesn't mean just sit still. It means to move to grow. So many times I hear Christians say, well, I'm going to church. You know, I'm positioning myself in the right things, but nothing's changing. Well, there's this twofold that you need to do. You need to position yourself. You need to position your mindset, but you need to move with him. You need to begin to grow. You need to begin to challenge yourself to begin to see a refocusing of how he wants to live your life. And the most important part, I believe, and actually, Americans are really great in this, abound in thankfulness. I love that you have a holiday set aside for being thankful. The rest of the world needs to get hold of that principle because thankfulness changes your perspective on anything, right? whether you don't like your home, whether you don't like what you have, begin to refocus yourself and thank him for what you do have. Because you know when it's gone, we take it for granted, right? So many people in our lives, when it's gone, we're like, ugh. I remember when I get a cold, like just breathing normally. Isn't that so, such a funny phenomenon? Like we have a, a blocked up nose. I'm like, I just wish I could breathe properly. I can't get anywhere. I'm out of breath all the time. That one simple thing that we lose I'm thankful that I'm fully healthy right now. I'm thankful for everything he's given me, that he has given me a family, that he's given me an extended family. He's given me people in my life that may rub me the wrong way, but God is bringing something out of me. He's reshaping inside of me to make me Christ-like. So I get to love people that I don't like. That's Christ love. Don't surround yourselves with people that you like or just people who are like you. Begin to move out of your sphere of influence and let him shape you. Abound in thankfulness. And so my final point today, our biggest issue in the 21st century is the single focus. A diffused light does not have much effect. How many of you have, as kids have had magnifying glasses? And what do we like to do with magnifying glasses? Bit of light, bugs, pop, 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 pop. That light, as it's focused, is powerful. It cuts through paper. But if we even concentrate that light, if we singly focus that light even stronger, it becomes a laser and it begins to cut through metal. It begins to shape. And so I believe that God's saying, hey, I want you to refocus, but I want you to singly focus as well. A CEO of Starbucks, Howard uh, Schultz, said this, and this is a really powerful statement. A store manager's job is not to oversee millions of customers' transactions a week, but one transaction millions of times a week. The only number that matters is one. One cup, one customer, one partner, one experience at a time. We had to get back to what mattered the one. Can you imagine if the church got hold of that principle? If we focused our services, our every being around the one, and who's the one Jesus? The one thing. See, the story of Mary and Martha, 
I feel sorry for Martha because she had good intentions. She was wanting to do something for Jesus. And how many of us relate more to Martha than Mary? Because we're trying to create this perfect environment. We love people. and We're trying to create everything to be so perfect. And she was distracted by so many things that she became angry at Mary who was doing nothing. Now, this isn't, it was funny, as a, as a child, I'd always use this story to my parents. Well, you know, Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. I'm just sitting here at the feet of Jesus while watching TV. <laughs> I don't need to be bothered by these things. I'm, I'm looking after the one thing. This isn't giving us a, an excuse to get ourselves out of doing things. But Martha was distracted by so many things and came to Jesus and said, you know, Mary's doing nothing, and she missed the one thing. And Jesus said to Martha, you are worried and upset about the many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it is not to be taken away from her. So I want you today to sharpen your focus. Refocus yourselves to what God is telling you in this season, and begin to sharpen that focus Let the everyday movements, everyday tasks that you come across begin to ask the question, is this what you want me to do, God? Singular focus, because I bet you can fill your lives with a ton of things. It's not difficult, but it's harder to be singular focused, to be someone that is focused to do what God says. And then when we see in Matthew 6, 31, 33, do not worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows what you need, and you need them. But seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Single focus, seek his kingdom, his righteousness, and all things will be added. When we get the focus right, Our external focus is corrected. We get to understand why we do what we do. And I love this quote that C.S. Lewis says, because really we need to get back to the main thing, I believe, as a church. We need to understand this focus. Jesus came not to make bad people good, but dead people alive. He didn't come to make bad people good, but make dead people alive. That is our mission. That is our focus as a church. Whoever comes through these doors, we want them to feel alive. Our single focus for them to experience an encounter with Jesus. Like this morning where we just took time in our worship. Because we take the busyness of our worlds and we bring it into church. We pray fast. We move from section to section to section. Worship, pray, this, 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 this. As a church, we want to create space for us to begin to experience something deeper. And sometimes we need to slow down. We need to be present. We need to accept silence and say, God, come and refocus me. Bring me back to the first love. In the final passage today, Hebrews 12.2 says, Let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from beginning to end. He is faithful. This is a simple message, but so often we forget to refocus ourselves. We forget to make room for Jesus. And there's no condemnation, but there's an encouragement to say there is more. There is a life and life to the full that will transform you, but you to be transformed that we become the light in this world. 
that we come to redeem and transform this culture. This world needs and is crying out for Christians to be the light in the dark places. We stand this morning. We stand. And we're just going to just take a moment with every head bowed. And I just want you to begin to ask, Holy Spirit, where can I be refocused? Where do I need to refocus my heart? Where do I need to be singular focused in coming back to you, Jesus? Where do I need to experience that life and life to the full? God, I'm sorry for the times that I've made it. I'm sorry for filling my life with so much stuff because I felt that I needed it. But Lord, I want to come back to you and say, Lord, what is your focus? What is your purpose? What is your identity for me in this season? So Father, I thank you that you are at work. And you will bring about to completion what you have started. That you are transforming our lives as we become and be with you. And right now, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you begin to speak to our hearts right now. We create space for you right now just to speak to our hearts. refocus our hearts. Lord, that you are championing a new season. Lord, that we live in victory. Lord, that you are calling us to a higher living, that we will not be refocused by the enemy. We will not be refocused by culture that says that there is no hope, that there is no hope for Washington. But Lord, that we want to be refocused to be the light, to see the hope, to see the transformation and not the things that are going on around the things that we see, Lord, that we wouldn't have skewed focus. But Lord, you are calling us to refocus, rehope, redream. Lord, revitalize us right now. Stir us anew, Lord, a passion in our hearts to experience you more and more. Because that's your desire, just to dwell with us. Lord, you just want to be with us. And Lord, these practices, the prayer, the silence and solitude, Lord, the fasting, all these kind of things that you have given us, the reading of scripture, Lord, are not things that are just practices that we do, but they are a means to an end of being closer to you. And so would you ignite a passion in us again to stir us, to seek you, to know you, to be transformed by you. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for coming today. 
I just want to pray one more prayer blessing over you guys. Father, I thank you for every heart in this room. Grace and peace be with each and every person in this room. Lord, as they go out into their walks, into their workplaces, into their families, Lord God. Lord, that you would be, they would be, a, they would be blessed to be a blessing, Lord God. Lord, as we go into our ministry places, Lord, in our workplaces, would you help us to be effective in our work? Bless us. Give us creative ideas in being in who you have called us to do. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Have a great week, guys.